Hello, and welcome to Four Advisors, a podcast for and about financial advisors. I'm your host, Dave Polis, and today we're going to be talking about everyone's favorite topic, taxes. Our guest is Kelly Wright, Director of Financial Planning at Pinnacle Advisory Group in Columbia, Maryland. Kelly has spent over 30 years planning clients' financial futures, sits on the board of the Financial Planning Association of Maryland, and has worked closely with Michael Kitsis to develop the planning protocols that Pinnacles use for their high net worth clients every day. He has a master's degree in business with a concentration in finance, a bachelor's degree in mechanical engineering, and is a certified financial planner. A big part of what sets Pinnacle apart is routinely doing tax projection for clients as part of the planning process as a starting point for setting up their initial plans and when clients shift into retirement. Kelly's been a strong advocate for this type of work to increase the accuracy of Pinnacle's plans for clients. Kelly, welcome to the program. We're glad you could join us. Thanks, Dave. Good to be here. Uh, Taxes are one of the largest components of any financial plan in terms of drivers of decisions about investments, the type of accounts you contribute to or draw from, uh, after you retire and before, and in what order. When did taxes become such a strong focus in financial planning? Well, I have to probably say anytime there's a change in tax law. Um, The biggest thing about planning taxes is to try to make sure there are no unexpected surprises. A lot of times when the tax structure changes, not only are there unexpected surprises, but planning opportunities that can easily be missed if we don't do a forward-looking tax filing. Of course, you can't file your taxes in advance, so we're doing a projection of what taxes would look like. Here at, at Pinnacle, we've invested a lot of time, money, and effort to make sure that we have a capability to project taxes because, as you said, they are a huge portion of every household's expenditure, at least in general. So what we want to do is use those projections and try to figure out how to best take advantage of the landscape as it exists today. So it has always been an important part, but with the newer developments in income tax law, it is less relevant to look at your marginal tax rate. In other words, the need for a projection has become much more applicable. Simply looking at the tax bracket you're in will not only be unhelpful, but sometimes genuinely misleading. So it's not really a good idea, even with the simplified forms and everything else, for advisors to allow clients to really do taxes unaided. It's not in their best interest. That's a, that's a, you know they bring you bring up a good point because um, the whole there was a political goal to simplify taxes and and the tax forms and unfortunately both have had negative consequences um, the tax forms are not more simple they're very difficult to understand I speak with people in the uh, CPA and tax preparer community and the, the forms are, are difficult to follow even though they're shorter. They've just taken a lot of the information and put it on subforms. Unfortunately, those subforms aren't as well explained as the original 1040 was. Furthermore, the tax structure itself for some people has been simplified, and for some people, those simplifications have made things more difficult. I'll give you an example. The standard deduction has increased for a married couple to $24,000. However, In Maryland, the state deduction is only $5,000. 
So if you itemize on your federal return, that is the only way you're allowed to itemize on your state return. As a result, people who are not itemizing federally cannot itemize on their Maryland state return, and their deduction off of their state income is a great deal lower. So their state taxes go up substantially. A lot of people don't see that interplay. Wow. Now I know why there are professionals out there that do this. But we've had clients ask, why can't the person preparing my tax returns do my tax planning for me? What would you tell them? Well, the tax preparation is an important service in today's economy, and we make no uh, disparagements against the people who do it. That's, that's hard work, and it's important work. However, tax preparation is solely that. It's preparing things that have already happened to assemble on a form which is usually done in early in the following year when it's too late to make any changes to work with the existing tax structure to take advantage of things. Tax preparation tends to be rearward looking in the past. Tax projections are forward looking and we can make important strategic maneuvers based on the fact that we're looking forward and actually looking for things to do to take advantage of that. So the rearview mirror is no good in tax projections is basically what we're saying. Or driving. <laughs> as long as you're driving forward, you can't just be looking in the rearview mirror. Say an advisor wants to analyze their client's taxes. In our audience, I'm sure they get asked this all the time. What are some of the hidden areas of the tax code uh, some of the less experienced advisors might be examining in order to do a good job for their clients? That's a great question, especially given the changes that have happened. Um, there's a lot of hidden pitfalls. Some of them are on the tax forms and some of them aren't. Um, one is, as we discussed, the state income tax issues, the interplay between state and federal, which means get your clients state returns as well as your federal, as well as their federal returns. You have to look for the high income and uh, net investment tax implications. Always be on the lookout for their safe harbor testing. Uh, the safe harbor is uh, 100% of last year's taxes or 110% if their AGI is over $150,000. We always want to make sure that people are withholding enough. Also, we want to look at the Medicare means testing for uh, Medicare B, Part B premiums because those cost more as you make more, as your adjusted modified adjustment gross income goes up. Um, your Part B premiums go up, and there can be planning around that. However, it's not on the tax form, so you have to have that schedule available as well. Sounds like an awful lot of moving parts and not something I'd want to tackle on my own. And that's with the rules as they exist. Are there proposed rules or new things coming down the pike that, that we need to plan for in terms of taxes if we're going to do a good job? Uh, always. <laughs> um, first of all, the, the existing tax laws are due to sunset, and I think in 2025, if I'm not mistaken. It might be 2023. I'll have to check on that, but it's not around the corner. Um, second of all, if there is a change in political administration, there will probably be changes in the tax law. Third, there are always constant clarifications and changes that we need to stay on top of. But um, some of the more critical things are not directly income tax, but related to income tax. 
There's a, a bill in the House of Representatives that passed the House called the Secure Bill, and it takes the RMD age, the beginning date for required distribution of a of, a, of an IRA, to age 72 from age 70 and a half. Initially, that would be thought of as a great thing. However, uh, they take they giveth and they taketh away, and as a result the way that is getting paid for is that if your children inherit an IRA, it would have to be depleted, taken out of the IRA after 10 years. What this shows us is that tax planning can be not only for the current generation, but intergenerational as well. Uh, There's a bill in the Senate that has gone really nowhere that is even more draconian that requires the money to be taken out over five years. So let's say you leave a $500,000 inherited IRA to your successful children, and if they're successful, their tax rate's pretty high as it is, then you're going to add $100,000 a year at least to that income. Then the problem is tax deferral doesn't really work because you're deferring taxes to a time when the taxes paid on that money are higher than when they were origin when the money was originally earned. And that's enough to push people into the next bracket anyway. So you're really fighting a ladder that's going the wrong direction. Yeah, exactly. So that makes us want to be more alert for planning opportunities such as intergenerationally converting for uh, IRAs to Roth accounts. But again, these are proposed bills. They have not passed yet, and Washington is in kind of a uh, kind of a standstill a little bit as it is dealing with other issues. Now we talked about briefly. You touched on the fact that there are opportunities buried in there. Where would uh, say a newer advisor who who hasn't encountered this before or has a client who's new uh, be looking for really opportunities to to be a superstar for their client? Where can they dig up some advantages in the tax code? Well, that, and that's a that's a great question, Dave. The the uh, probably the newest, biggest thing is the increase in the standard deduction. We talked about the interplay with state taxes and how that might affect a person, but let's talk about what we really need to drill down on to figure out how to do some planning for the clients. One of the biggest things is take a look at the client's existing itemized deductions. That includes the SALT limit, state and local tax limit of $10,000, and the new, you know, the mortgage interest, which can only be deducted on now $750,000 and things like that. Add up those itemized deductions. If they are short of the standard deduction, try to look at how short they are. Because there can be cases where Married couple filing jointly in 2019. The I think it's 24,000 or 24,000. It's right in that area. But if the itemized deductions come up to be very close to that, and you can give an extra $500 to charity, load up your truck, take it to Goodwill, write off the $500, then you can deduct your itemized deductions for your state tax because you're over the threshold. The idea here is to get over that. If you're going to get over the standard deduction, make sure you're over it either by a little or a lot. And so it's it's one of those banding issues because um, 
if you're over by a little, it gives you the benefit on the states. One of the ways we've seen people do this is to aggregate their charitable contributions by every other or every third year. If you have traditionally given $10,000 a year to charity, well, if your itemized deductions are, uh, let's say, $9,000, and you give, if your existing itemized deductions are $9,000, and then you add 10000 to that, that's 19000 If your standard deduction is $24,000, you're not getting any benefit for giving that $10,000 away. However, if you go to your the, the, the object of your philanthropic intent and say, what I'm going to do is give you $30,000 every three years. Well, that $30,000 is right then and there above the limit plus the nine is $39,000. Now you're well into where you're getting advantage and being able to deduct the charity that you give away. The charity ends up getting the same amount of money and you have greater tax efficiency in planning around that. Lots and lots of things to consider, and that's why people should hire a professional planner. We're coming up on a break uh, to let you absorb all that wonderful information, and we'll be right back. And when we come back, we're going to be talking about Roth conversions and 401ks and how we can be a superstar to our clients. We'll be right back. Are you an RIA or financial advisor looking to grow and scale your practice, but feel like you could use some help? Feel like there are lots of growth options out there, but don't have time to research them and don't want to make an expensive mistake? Want to spend more time helping clients instead of time-consuming investment research, compliance checks, or transactional work? If you answered yes to any of these, Pinnacle Advisor Solutions has the answers you need. With a range of outsourced options and financial planning support, Pinnacle has a solution that fits your needs, budget, and circumstances to help you scale up, grow your practice, or put a succession plan in place. For more information or to set up an appointment, call 201-919-4838. And we're back. We're talking with Kelly Wright, Director of Financial Planning at Pinnacle Advisory Group. Kelly, advisors often get asked about doing Roth conversions. It's gotten more and more popular over the years. There are more and more ways to use them. Are there new regulations out there that concern Roths and the conversions and how they can be used? And if they have to pay taxes on a conversion anyway, why would you consider such a thing? Well, we briefly touched on that earlier in the first segment. Um, basically, the whole idea behind tax deferral, which is your traditional IRA or 401k, is that you put money in when your taxes are at a higher rate than when you take it out. So you have this tax arbitrage where you're capitalizing off the change in your, the decrease in your future tax rate. But taxes don't always go in that direction. Let's, for instance, say I'm a new employee just coming out of college. My taxes aren't that high. I really shouldn't be deferring a lot into the future because my earnings are going to go up and my taxes are going to go up. So for people just starting out, Roth type plans, depending on their income and situation, definitely warrant exploration. The same is true for very success, for successful people who have acquired a lot of pre-tax assets. One of the things in the investment world that is preached ad nauseum is diversification. 
we need to diversify by tax status as well. And the reason we need to do that is because anything in a pre-tax retirement account, like a traditional IRA or a 401k, will be devalued by a precipitous increase in income taxes because it's taxed as income. So what we really want to be take care to do, because we really aren't sure what the future will bring, is to diversify into regular brokerage type account holdings where capital gains are taxed as capital gains, pre-tax things where, uh, where you, when you withdraw that out, it is taxed as income, and Roth, where you're paying the tax on that now, but when you take the money out, it's not taxed at all. And of course, we want to try to do this making good sense of the mathematics of that tax deferral, of making sure we're not paying, for instance, a huge amount of tax now to do a Roth conversion, and then we're going to take it out at a lower, when the taxes are at a lower rate. We wouldn't do that. That wouldn't make sense. So it does involve some prognostication, but it also involves knowledge of, for instance, when RMDs happen, when you're required to take money out of your pre-tax accounts, the problem with that is that money is taxed as income. And if your pre-tax accounts have gotten sufficiently large, then Roth accounts are definitely something we need to put on the radar to see if they make sense. Again, there's so much knowledge buried in, in what we're talking about, but some advisors may not really work with IRAs as often as others because they're tax deferred. They kind of set them and forget them. Is there such a thing as a non-deductible IRA account? Well, it's another good question. So while there are non-deductible contributions to a regular IRA account, there is actually no such thing as a non-deductible IRA. And I want to repeat that, no such thing as a non-deductible IRA. Even if you have an IRA sitting on its own and all you've made is non-deductible contributions to that IRA, it is not considered a non-deductible IRA account. It, they are non-deductible contributions to an existing IRA. And the reason that matters is because later on, if you do a Roth conversion and you have deductible IRAs for whatever reason, when you do that conversion of all of your IRAs, the basis has to be done pro rata on all of your IRAs. So as a result, that accounting needs to happen on a regular basis. And you cannot pick and choose the one account that you've made non-deductible contributions to and just convert that and say, that's mostly basis. I don't know where they come up with this stuff, but it's fantastic that these things are there. If you've looked at the tax code, it's it's thicker than a, a world book it's encyclopedia. It's 24,000 pages. Who dreamed this up? <laughs> yeah, and it's not simple. No, and, and that's why we're here, and that's why advisors need to know this stuff. Um, now, we talk about non-deductible portions and some sets of your, of your IRA and your 401k. Are there limits to what you can do with these things, and, and can you explain what those are and how that impacts their planning? Well, yeah, there are. Um, if you make too much money, and it, it, it's a pretty intense chart depending on your married, your filing status, so I won't go into the details, you can't do a contributory Roth IRA. 
You can do conversions, but you can't do a contributory Roth IRA. You can, if you have earned income, you can do an IRA, or if you're a spouse, you can do a spousal IRA as long as you're married filing jointly. Um, the limits in 2020, I believe, are uh, $6,000 uh, for your IRA contributions, and then another thousand for the catch-up if you're 50 or over. Now, that's the combination of all Roth and traditional IRAs together. Um, 401ks, the elective deferral limit in uh, 2019, I know, is $25,000. It's, I think, uh, $19,000 plus a $6,000 catch-up if you're over 50. Now, those don't sound like very high numbers for, for people that are used to dealing in millions in some cases. If advisors are fortunate enough to have clients with extremely high incomes, um, what would you tell them about contributing to a Roth? Well, you've got, that's where the projection comes into account. You have to look at the incremental cost of making those conversions. Because, once again, if the conversion rate is just astronomically high, then it doesn't make sense to defer that into a, in, into a period of time where the rate is going to be lower when the money is used. Very tricky stuff. We have clients at Pinnacle occasionally, and I'm sure you've seen this from, from some of our advisors here. Some of the clients have asked if there is a way to use a 401k plan to take advantage of a non-deductible contribution to an IRA. What would you tell them? And I'm sure this gets very complicated. It, it does. So I'll try to make it easy. So backtracking a little, um, there's a form in your tax filing called an 8606. The 8606 is basically how you keep track of the basis of all of your IRAs. Now, the idea behind this, to, behind getting a little extra into your, um, your Roth accounts, is, okay, you make too much money to contribute to a Roth. So, you can make a non-deductible contribution to an IRA and then convert that into a Roth. However, if you have existing pre-tax IRAs, the basis of those pre-tax IRAs comes into account, which makes that conversion really unpalatable as far as paying taxes. The way to get around that is roll all of your existing IRAs into your 401k plan if they will allow it, and most will. So now the only thing you have outside of your 401k is an IRA that has a non-deductible contribution to it. And this is how people making a lot of money can actually do a what they call a backdoor Roth IRA contribution. They make it to a non-deductible. There aren't much, there is very little in earnings because it's just from the time it's a non-deductible to the time it's converted. So essentially there are no earnings. So there's no, uh, no issue. There's no issue there. And it acts just as then you convert it to a Roth and you've basically end arounded part of the tax code. <laughs> we always like that. It's kind of a wheels within wheels situation. I like it. Uh, I'm glad somebody else is smart enough to have figured that out. Now, it, a little bird tells me that there's some upcoming legislation that's going to affect some of these conversions and, and what you can do with them and what you can't do with them. What's that about? Again, this is the Secure in the RESA Act, 
for um, for not for Roth IRAs, but for regular IRAs. If they're inherited, they have they it, it may be that it's required to take these assets out over a prescribed period of time. So we need to be on the lookout for the legislation as it moves through Congress. So something about recharacterizing them that you can't do anymore is you can't back up. Exactly. So one of the one of the things in the in the latest tax uh, we used to be able to say, okay, I've done a Roth conversion from an IRA. I've paid these extra taxes. But the account went down in value after I converted. So I don't like that. <laughs> what can I do? It used to be you could undo that and recharacterize the Roth conversion and basically undo the whole thing. That privilege has been taken away. So now... If you if you do a Roth conversion, that's you got to stick with it. You can't undo it. So you've got a huge commitment now, and that calculation becomes that much more important to get correct. And you've developed some tools to help do that conversion decision, if I understand correctly, that we use here at Pinnacle. Right. One of the things that we found really useful, because we don't really know for sure what's going to happen in future tax rates, we examine the current tax rate. Um, and the way we do it uh, on Roth conversions is to analyze a lot of different tax cases on the most recent tax return. So, for instance, we would take 10 tax projections on 2019 taxes and start at zero and increase uh, by $10,000 the amount that is converted to a Roth um, in each case. As a result, we can see where the next conversion starts to really cost a lot of money. Not only that, we can see the effect that it has on the aggregate marginal rate as we move forward through the conversion process. So we plot both those lines, and you can see where the inflection point of the next conversion really takes the aggregate line and moves it up. So once that starts happening, Roth conversions are less attractive because we're paying more tax. So we can compare that to what we think might be a reasonable rate, tax rate target in the future. We don't know. Um, it's like some of the other analyses we do that involve mortality. We don't know when people are going to die, but we can show the rate of return for each year by a curve that way. And we do that this way, and you can we can put this in front of a client and have them determine what they think is a reasonable tax target. Fantastic. That sounds like a tool that every advisor should should get a hold of. Is, is there any way uh, some of our listeners can create something like that? Well, actually, we're in the process for uh, Pinnacle Advisory Services to um, uh, create a uh, cache of tools on their website. We've got, uh, on the Advisor Center, we have four of them there now um, that are that are being uh, vetted, I think, through compliance. I think that process is done. And probably one of the next ones will be the, the Roth conversion tool. That's fantastic. That's, that's one of the things that, that our, our advisor customers should be on the lookout for. We're almost out of time. If there was one thing out of all of this, we've touched on a number of different topics. One thing we want to leave our listeners with regarding taxes today that they can really be the hero for their clients for, what would it be? 
first and foremost, look carefully at the existing tax return and build your projections off the existing tax return with the salient changes as you move forward. Second of all, if you have clients that are doing their own taxes with this new tax law, while I encourage clients to be in touch with their own finances, have an accountant look it over. Have a qualified tax preparer review at least one time their existing return to make sure that, especially if it's very complex, um, the new rules, we've just touched on a just a, a, an infinitesimal part of the changes in the tax code. There are all sorts of other things that are far more complex than this, and they really deserve and warrant analysis. Once the accountant has looked at that, it makes moving forward and uh, both more understandable for the client if they're trying to look at it themselves and with a higher level of confidence in, in accuracy. When tax laws change, getting a tax professional involved is really important. The other thing is one of the biggest areas, and I'll emphasize this, is look at the difference between your itemized deductions and your standard deduction. Very simple, but very important. I can't agree more. Clearly, if you're going to build a foundation of projections on something, the accuracy has to be there so that it's correct when you start. Hiring a professional to do that makes perfect sense. Thank you, Kelly. I appreciate it. We've enjoyed speaking with you, and I hope you'll come back next time. Looking forward to it, Dave. We've been speaking with Kelly Wright, Director of Financial Planning at Pinnacle Advisory Group, talking about tax planning and its importance in a holistic financial plan. I'm your host, Dave Polis, and you're listening to Four Advisors, the podcast for and about financial advisors. If you have any questions about taxes or anything you've learned on this program, just drop us a line at fouradvisors at pinnacleadvisory.com, and we'll get back to it with an answer as soon as we can. Until next time, thanks for listening. You're listening to Four Advisors, the podcast for and about financial advisors. This program is for educational purposes only, and the opinions expressed here by guests do not necessarily fully or accurately reflect the legal intent or nature of Pinnacle Advisor Solutions, Pinnacle Advisory Group, or its senior management. This program is not intended to give legal, investment, or financial planning advice, and opinions and statements made in this podcast should not be relied on as such. 